First Bible reading is from Psalm 80. It can be found on page 592 of the Pew Bibles. Psalm 80, verses 1 to 7. Hear us, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God, make your face shine upon us, that we might be saved. O Lord God Almighty, how long will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us a source of contention to our neighbours, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, O God Almighty. Make your face shine upon us, that we may be saved. And the second reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 10. It's on page 1076. John 10, 1 to 16. I tell you the truth. The man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. This is the word of the Lord.
Well, if you remember, we're in this church season of, of epiphany that means manifestation or that means that something is revealed. And what we're looking at is we're, we're looking at some of these very famous sayings that Jesus said in, in John's Gospel. Some of the I am sayings so that we can see what Jesus is talking about. And we've been looking at three questions. Last question, the question last week was, who is Jesus? Who did Jesus say he was by declaring that he was the I am? This week we're looking at the question of what is the, the life Jesus promised. And then next week we're, we're looking at the question in, in the words of the great hymn, what does it mean to abide in Jesus? So let us pray together. Lord, as the great king, the great shepherd king, King David prayed, show us your ways and teach us your paths, Lord. Guide us in your truth and teach us, for you are God my saviour and our hope is in you all day long. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what is this life that Jesus promised? And to answer it, I want us to think of it in terms of a word, in terms of a picture, and in terms of a promise. Here's the word. The word is life. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, and life in all its fullness. Or, as one translation would put it, life in overflowing measure. Or life full to overflowing. Or, if you like, life in abundance. This was the picture that Jesus was describing if this glass was your life. He was just saying, I have come that you may have life full to overflowing. In overflowing measure. In abundance. The Greek word there for, for, if you like, the bit that is full is the word perisos. What it means is this. It means superabundant in quantity and superior in quality. In other words, what it was saying was this. Jesus wasn't saying, I have come that you may have life and that on some particular day you will have a great high moment with me and the rest of the time will be mundane. What he was saying was this. He was saying, I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. And this should be your everyday experience. Because there's vast amounts of it. It's super abundant in quantity. And it's superior in quality. That was the image that Jesus was getting across when he, when he says these words. I have come that you may have life and life in all its abundance. Yet when we think about life today, if we think about, about our world today and how life seems to go, you know, there are more opportunities today, most people think, to change the world for good than there's ever been. Usually because of technological or medical or scientific revolution, yet most people think at the start of 2017 that the world is more in a mess than ever before. Divided more than ever by faith or by race or by class or, or by culture. Or if we think about it a bit more about this life, most of us in the Western world have more money in our lives than most people in the rest of the world would dream of. Yet all it seems to do is to move us towards this insatiable drive 
for more and more and more. We've got to have that thing next, that thing next, that thing next, or we've got to go to that place next, or that place next, or that place next. We have access, don't we, to, to have more information in life just by pressing a button almost, yet the wisdom in our world seems to be less and less. Life seems to go faster and faster and faster, and yet many people don't even know where they're going. We have so many ways, don't we, to keep in touch with people. Or to find out what is going on in the world that was ever possible before, yet it's brought with it a fear, hasn't it? That we almost never didn't realise before existed. This fear of missing out on, on something. And then life presents so many opportunities. You know, if you just think about it today, for, for people today, there are so many opportunities. Places to go, people to meet, jobs to take, that previously, for previous generations, were just off-limits and, and out of reach. Yet, for more and more people in our world, and particularly our young people in our world, it's a world where they're lost, without hope. A world where issues of self-harm and issues of self-image and addictions, thank you, are growing more and more rampant. And it makes me wonder, have we got this life right? Because Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. And life in all its fullness, full to overflowing. And this should be your, your normal, everyday experience. You know, the word life that Jesus uses here is a very important word in John's Gospel. John uses the word life 41 times. But when he uses the word that we translate life, he means different things by it. Because just as there are, if you like, four Greek words for what we call love, there are three Greek words for what we call life. So let me just give you the, the, the Greek lesson for the moment. Now actually you know this, this will be a reminder, you just have never thought about it before. Because if you think about it like this, the first Greek word for life is the word bios. It's if you like the life of the physical body. It's where we get the term biology from. So if you want to know why you study biology, it comes from why it's called that. It comes from the Greek word bios. Then there's a second Greek word for life. It's the word zoukin. It's the life of the soul. If you like the life of, life of the heart, the mind and the will. It's where we get the word psychology from. And zouke is used seven times by John in his gospel when he talks about life. And twice in this passage when he talks about the shepherd. Laying down his life. It's the word suke. But then there's a third Greek word for life. It's the word zoe. It's used 33 times by John in his gospel. Including when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. This is the life, the zoe, that he's talking about. What it means is this. It means the eternal, divine life of God. So when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, he's saying, I have come that you may have the divine, eternal life of God. And that you can have it till it's full to overflowing and it should just be the normal thing. Superabundance it is in quantity, superior in quality. A life full to overflowing, isn't it, of, 
of his unconditional love. Rather than accepting some type of human love. A life full of his inexpressible joy. Rather than being led by by something else. A life full of his amazing grace. Rather than being controlled by what someone else thinks you ought to or should do. A life full of his glorious hope. Instead of leading a life of despair. A life full of deep healing. A life full of his resting peace. This was the life that Jesus promised. It's actually a life that is incredibly transformative, isn't it? Because God gives us this opportunity to partner with him through the church to change the world. It doesn't just change one or two people's lives. When it's lived out, it changes whole communities. It even transforms society. That's the word. The word is life. Life full to overflowing. Here's the picture. You see, this picture is a picture that would have been very familiar in first century, if you like, Middle Eastern life. It was a picture of sheep farming. There were sheep and there were shepherds. And then there was a sheep pen or a sheepfold. And they knew all about the dangers of that sort of world. And sheep were kept. They were either kept in some sort of family courtyard or they were kept in a larger independent enclosure. And it would kind of, the pen would be marked out and it would be marked out by stones. And then there would be this gateway. The gateway would be the place where the sheep would walk in. And the sheep would walk out. The only problem was with this gateway, it was a gateway. There was no gate on it. So what that meant at night was this. What the shepherd would do is the shepherd would lie lie down across the gateway. He was making sure, if you like, the sheep didn't get out at night in the darkness. But he was also protecting the sheep from predators that that would come in. And what would happen is the typical size of the average sheepfold would be about, would cater for about a hundred sheep. And the shepherd knew his sheep so well. And the sheep knew the shepherd so well. He knew what each individual sheep was like. He knew what their good points were. He knew what their, their bad points were. But also this, the shepherd gave each of his sheep names. Do you think he called the first one Dolly? (laughs) Or or Larry or or something like that. But he would call the sheep by name. (coughs) And the sheep would respond. Because the sheep knew the shepherd's name. So he would say, Dolly, it's time to come out. And Dolly would come out. Or Larry, it's time to come out. Or Bertie, it's time to come out. And the sheep would follow the shepherd. And the shepherd's voice would lead them. It's a tremendous picture of of intimacy. Of how he walks ahead of the sheep. And it's still a practice done today. So much so that if if this building was a sheep pen... And there were people from a whole range of different churches here. What would happen is this. The sheep that belonged to St. Peter's would only move if the shepherd from St. Peter's called them out. 
If the shepherd from St. Juan called them out, they wouldn't follow because they don't know his voice. And that was the picture that Jesus was describing. The only problem was, was this. The people that Jesus was describing this picture to, which was the Pharisees, they didn't get what Jesus meant by the picture. And so what Jesus then has to do is he then has to, if you like, expand on his picture. And it's here that he brings in not just one, but two I am sayings. And he doesn't just say both of them once, he says both of them twice. I am the gate, I am the shepherd. But let's think about this picture for a moment. Who are the sheep? And if you like Jesus' picture, who's the sheep? Anyone got any ideas? Obviously very hesitant. Let me tell you. We are. We are the sheep. The sheep, whenever you look all the way through the Bible, it's always a picture of the people of God. In the Old Testament, it was Israel. If you like, in the New Testament, it was the follower of Jesus. That's a bit of an overall catch summary, but that's kind of roughly how it goes. And of course, if I say, who's the shepherd? We'll all be able to say, oh, well, it's Jesus, because the answer is always Jesus, isn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. Because remember what I said to you last week about John's Gospel? That there's this famous phrase about it, that it's like a pool that's shallow enough for a baby to paddle in, yet it's deep enough for an elephant to swim in. You know, if you, you think about this for a minute, who was the shepherd in the Old Testament? Think about what is the most famous verse in the Old Testament. And we'll start, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. God was the shepherd in Israel, but it then gets expanded a bit more because the shepherd in the Old Testament was also this metaphor for leadership. What that meant was that kings and prophets and priests were also given this shepherd title. You know, think about it. The shepherd king, David who was the shepherd boy who became a king. But also it was given a title to prophets and priests. Here was the problem. The only problem was was that these people who'd been given this shepherding responsibility, this leadership responsibility, to lead the sheep to faithfully follow God, were doing an absolutely rubbish job at it. And they were being completely unfaithful. And they were leading the sheep astray. And so there was this, this chapter... This chapter that is very famous in the Old Testament, it's in the book of Ezekiel, it's Ezekiel chapter 34. It's just as kind of famous if you think of Jeremiah 31 and the new covenant promise. It's just as, if you like, almost as famous as that. It's it's in Ezekiel chapter 34 and it describes how God says that he's seen the unfaithfulness of these shepherds who are leading the people Israel and so... He is going to judge them. And he is going to come and he will judge the sheep 
and the shepherds and that he will rescue and care for his sheep and he will do that by bringing a shepherd king if you like a messiah like figure who will lead the people so when Jesus says I am the good shepherd what he is saying is this he is enacting if you like that promise from Ezekiel 34 and he is saying I am the messianic good shepherd That is what Jesus is saying. That is why, if you like, it was dynamite in terms of what was going on there. He was fulfilling the prophecy that was foretold by Ezekiel. You see, if we want to live this life full to overflowing, it comes from being led by the great shepherd. But Jesus doesn't just say one I am saying in this passage, does he? He says two. He doesn't just say I am the good shepherd. He also says I am the gate. Remember that sheep pen? Remember that sheep pen? And Jesus is saying that, listen, if you want to live this life full to overflowing, I am the way that you go through it. I am the gate that allows you in to access this life full to overflowing. And then Jesus goes really deep. Because just as a shepherd would lie down to protect the sheep, what Jesus then does is he says, I am the gate And he talks about how he lays down his life from the one danger that all humanity needs protection from. Death because of sin. And so Jesus says, I am the gate, I lay down my life. So that you can know this life. This life full to overflowing. The divine Life of God, knowing the presence of Jesus all through your lives. The shepherd loves us sacrificially, but Jesus also loves us intimately. You know, just think about it. You know someone's voice and you follow. You know someone's voice and you follow them. It's not a case of, well, I'm not quite sure whether I should do that or not. Or, I'm not going to follow that voice of that false shepherd because I know the good shepherd's voice. It's a tremendous picture of intimacy and to see how close this picture of intimacy is, look at verse 14 and verse 15 of it. Because what Jesus says is this, he says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. Just think about that for a minute. What Jesus is saying is this. It's possible for us to live this life full to overflowing. It can be close. It can be this good. It can be as good, as close as human possible to the way in which Jesus knows God the Father. That is the intimacy that Jesus is talking about in this life. That is the intimacy that cannot be found anywhere else or by anyone else in this life in which we live. And so here's the promise. 
The promise is this. It's an invitation for everyone. Because Jesus says, I am the gate, whoever. Look at it in verse 9. The word is whoever. That means it is available to everyone. You see, because eternal life begins in the here and now. It doesn't begin when we physically die. As the great Billy Graham said. It is when your life is reborn. When you start your life all over again. In other words, when you hear the invitation of the good shepherd. And you walk through him into the sheep pen. That is when eternal life begins. So we have this great life. Full to overflowing. This great picture of imagery from an everyday experience. And this great invitation. Yet, I don't know about you, but... I kind of think that every Christian who's ever lived kind of struggles with it. Because personally, I think the world would be transformed if this life was lived in this way. And so I started to think, well, well, why doesn't this happen? And as I was looking at the text, there were two things. These are just two things that come out. I mean, I don't know about you, but... But sheep are wayward creatures, aren't they? You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about it this, like this, but it's not very complimentary to be called a sheep, is it? It, it really isn't. When you, when you think about, about sheep today, you know, they're timid, aren't they? They're fearful. They're easily panicked. They're slow-witted and gullible. They're vulnerable to fear and frustration and hunger. They can be jealous and competitive for dominance. They can be always seeking fresh pastures but lacking discernment in their choices. They can be stubborn, always insisting on their own way. Now I don't know, but sheep remind me of something. Or should I say someone, they remind me of me. And they remind me, guess what? Of you. And every person that, that I look at. But also there's a, there's a second reason. Because when you read this passage, you cannot, and if you read it over and over again, you cannot fail to notice (coughs) the words of danger in there. That are repeated more than once. Thief, robber, stranger, steal, kill, destroy, wolf. You see, this is why we need a shepherd who loves us to death, literally. Who will warn us of these dangers and who will protect us when the darkness comes. So I wonder, as we close, this life full to overflowing that that Jesus promised. You see, I wonder whose life or who are we trusting in? Who is your shepherd? Because whoever it is in life, that's who you'll follow or whatever it is. But I wonder, is there anything Is there anything robbing us of this life full to overflowing that Jesus promised? Or worse, is there anything destroying us from the life that Jesus promised? Because there are many false shepherds out there and it's all about knowing his voice, isn't it? All about hearing what he wants to say in our lives. It's all about responding to his call. 
It's all about them saying, Lord, I receive this life and I release it so that others can know it too. Let us pray. Just take a moment to be still. In a moment we'll sing that that great song. Oceans. Now just think for a moment of that life full to overflow that, that Jesus promised. And maybe let's think, is there anything that robs us of that? And Lord, we we lay that down. If there is anything that robs us of it. Lord, whether that be someone in our lives, whether that can be sometimes uh, the way in which our own head talks to us, Whether it be the way in which someone else talks to us. Whether it be the situations that we we find ourselves in. For Lord, we only want to receive the life that you promised. This life of inexpressible joy. This life of amazing grace. This life of unconditional love. This life of deep healing. This life of glorious hope. And Lord we want to release that. In each one of our lives. Lord to release that to the people who don't know it. That through us. You would change the lives of the people that we love and care for. Of the communities and parishes that we live in. Lord, help us to to trust in you. To just know your voice. To just have that intimacy of knowing who you are. Because sometimes it can feel like you're half a world away. Help us to know you in such a way in the life that you promised here. To live that life for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.